The first lesson comes to us from Psalm 25, 1 through 10. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Do not let me be put to shame. Do not let my enemies exult over me. Do not let those who wait for you be be put to shame. Let them be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to show your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all day long. Be mindful of your mercy, O Lord, and of your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his decrees. And from the prophets, Amos 7, 7 through 9. This is what he showed me. The Lord was standing beside a wall built with a plumb line, with a plumb line in his hand. And the Lord said to me, Amos, what do you see? And I said, a plumb line. Then the Lord said, see, I'm setting a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel. I will never again pass them by. The high places of Isaac shall be made desolate and the sanctuaries of Israel shall be laid waste. And I will rise against the house of Jeroboam with the sword. And the gospel lesson this morning, Luke 10, 25 to 37. Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? The lawyer answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength, with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed on the other side. But a Samaritan, a Samaritan while traveling, came near him. And when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. And he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. 
The next day, he, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him, and when I come back, I'll repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The lawyer said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, go, do likewise. Amen. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, that's a great music. If, if we don't have a clear sense of right and wrong, we live without morals. Morality comes when humans wrestle with the difference between good and evil and seek to choose what is right. But sometimes this becomes very difficult. It becomes really hard. When God gave the law, it was to be the foundation of good community. It would instruct God's people to live as harmonious people in a peaceful community full of the shalom of God, the peace, the unity, and harmony in the world, in the community. And it would stand out against the pagan narcissism, the individualism, and self-gratification of that community. So God's love, God's law, defined the nature of the community. Farmers couldn't take the whole crop. They had to leave some for the poor. Laborers, no matter where they were from, couldn't be worked seven days a week, 24 hours a day. They, too, were entitled to rest. And there are plenty more laws where these came from, roughly 611 more. But the long and short of it is that it's the way of life marked by a clear understanding of right and wrong. Laws that we humans put into place. It's the law as gospel, not gospel as law, as Jesus taught us, or us practicing God's kesed, kesed. What Jesus was clearly lifting up to the lawyer was that he had forgotten the practice of God's kesed, and that is to do God's kindness, to do God's peace, to do God's joy, to do God's grace, to do God's love, to do, to do, to do. Not just to speak it, not just to study it, not to discuss it, not to analyze it, not to send it to a committee, not to write laws about it, not to think about that somebody else is going to do it, but for us to go and do God's kassad. To do kassad is to do loyal, unwavering love a binding love, a, a committed love, a family type of love. R.C. Sproul, 
stated that Kassad is a loyal love that remains faithful to both the Word of God and the people of God. And it looks to the church not only as a provider of religious services, but reaches out as the body of Christ, our Lord, our family. In fact, in fact, I believe, I believe that Kassad overlooks the petty differences we have placed as the obstacles in front of us and rejoices in the commitment to one another as human beings. In Kassad, we reformers present the concept common grace. You all heard the com term common grace, common grace, where there is a human spirit in the human spirit, a certain innate impulse to kindness and love. A life of discipleship marked by Kassad is, is knowing good from evil and is the action step of our faith, seeking and understanding in and of God. Do you know what a plumb line is? Do you know what a plumb line is? It's nothing more than a piece of string with or twine with a weight at the bottom. Sometimes it has some chalk on it so you can snap a straight line. But it's got a weight on the end. And if you hang the plumb line from the highest part of any wall, it will invariably show the straight path because gravity doesn't lie. The weight holds the line taut. It shows whether the bottom and the top and everything in between is holding together as square to each other. If the base of the wall and the cap aren't holding together, there's a problem. If it's out of square, it, there's going to be a problem. If the foundation and the pinnacle are out of square, the whole thing, the whole building, the whole it's all going to fall down. So speaking about this passage in Amos that we spoke about this morning, J James Limburg wrote in his interpretation, if a wall is at a plumb, it cannot do the job for which it was designed. Just as a foreman must give the order to destroy such a structure, so the Lord now announces the destruction of Israel. Sounds kind of harsh. God's judgment does sound harsh when we consider it apart from God's saving activity. There is always mercy and goodness with God, but God is also clear, also clear that good cannot be bad and bad cannot be good. They aren't the same thing. It, 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 it is confusion about those points that leave us morally out of plumb. Humans need a moral plumb line, a, a line that we cannot cross, a boundary for which we can measure our actions. In a sense, what God used Amos for and what Jesus taught us this morning was that we must not wallow in God's grace without it shaping how we act, how we live, how we do. When we pay attention to what God values, we find goodness and guidance. Truth is a moral plumb line. Equality is a moral plumb line. Justice is a moral plumb line. Nonviolence is a moral plumb line. And we need those moral plumb lines Nowhere is that more evident than in the Samaritan story. Jesus 
uses the story of the Good Samaritan to lay out a moral plumb line based on the biblical value of hospitality and God's kissad. Twice he shows the wrong thing to do. Twice, two times. Because we need to be able to tell the difference between good and bad. Then Jesus shows the right thing to do. It's simple. It's simple. The Samaritan cares for the man. We can't live a human life at arm's length. We, we need to risk the mess of being part of a community. And God has shown us how. You see, the plumb line of faith calls us to genuine community. And God's kased is the marker from which all things are measured. Uh, I know that Lee and Don remember this. When we redid our Fellowship Hall renovation, right in the middle of the floor, in the middle of the floor a few years ago, we, we looked what was supposed to be an electrical outlet in the middle of the floor, right? It, but when we uncovered it, it was an elevation marker, 181 feet. It had a 181 on it. It was smack dab in the middle of the hall. It was the spot in which the Fellowship Hall had to be leveled to. It's, it set the standard so that the floor there would be level. So you can be assured, if you walk out there, the floor is level. And on the sides, everything is square, 181 feet above sea level. It was our plumb line for Fellowship Hall, from everything which was measured. You see, authentic love, God, God's cassette, does not discriminate. It creates neighborly relationships because by its nature, it meets the needs of other people. Notice that Jesus does not return to the lawyer's original question and asks, and asks him to identify who in the parable he should consider to be his neighbor. When Jesus asks the lawyer to name which character, who was the neighbor? to the man who fell into the hands of the robber. He reorients the conversation away from the lawyer's question about limiting one's responsibility. The lawyer wants to define who deserves his love. But still, the Good Samaritan parable suggests that love seeks out neighbors to receive compassion and care, even, even when established boundaries or prejudices conspire against it. Jesus' question forces the lawyer to admit which character demonstrates what it means to be a neighbor. But notice that the lawyer even refused to utter the word Samaritan. He couldn't even bring himself to use the word as his answer. So this, this story underscores this parable's deep offense to the Jews. A Samaritan is an example. The lawyer is pushed to learn about genuine love from the deeds of, of, our, of the one he regards as his enemy. To be committed to the love of neighbor involves a willingness to see an enemy as a benefactor, one who can offer instruction about genuine compassion and righteousness. 
during World War I at the Second Battle of Somme. Story is told that after weeks of trench warfare and no side, the German side or the Allied side, being able to advance even, even 100 yards, it was back and forth, back and forth. 57,000 men were killed, were injured. It was just sunset. It was just sunset. The smoke was all around and the bullets had, had ceased for just a moment. And sitting in a trench just before the enemy lines, the, the last Allied trench, an American soldier heard the moans and the cries of a German soldier. After 30 minutes, he couldn't stand it anymore. So he jumped out of the trench. He jumped out of the trench and he ran towards the German soldier who was entangled in barbed wire and wounded. Shooting from both sides began again until an Allied officer realized that the American was trying to save this German. So he called for a ceasefire. And at that exact moment, the German officer in charge also called for a ceasefire. And slowly, methodically, this American soldier cut through the barbed wire, freed the German, and then put the German on his shoulders, and then carried him back to the German line, back to his people. The German officer waiting in the trench was dumbfounded. He looked down at his chest and instinctively grabbed for the medal that was on his chest, one of them, and he removed the iron cross that was on his chest and he pinned it on the young American soldier and allowed the American soldier to return to the trench to fight again. Friends, to, to hear the familiar parable of the Good Samaritan, I believe we should think of ourselves as the person in the ditch or perhaps the one that's hanging on the barbed wire and then ask, is there anyone from any group, anywhere, about whom we'd rather die than acknowledge that she offered help or he showed compassion. Per perhaps we could ask if there is any group whose members would rather die than help us. If so, we know how to find the modern equivalent for the Samaritan. To love God is to love neighbor is to love God. This story is a scriptural GPS for us. It routes us in the only direction that God desires, the way of love, kindness, and compassion for others, for, for all people, regardless of age or, or gender or status or sexual orientation or even political affiliation. Whether you're liberal or conservative or label, whatever label you want to add, our neighbor or ourself. Folks, there is more, more than a parable here about a helpful stranger. It's about God's 
transforming power at work. God's chesed. God's chesed. About a God that forgives us. About a God who redeems us. A God that transforms us. That changes us. That loves us beyond all measures. Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Ken Goodrich, and I'm humbled that you took the time to listen to this podcast. I pray that the Holy Spirit moves you to ministry and that if you don't have a church home, that you are able to find one. Please feel free to tune in on Tuesdays at 10 a.m. and Wednesdays at 12.20 p.m. for our Bible studies, on Thursdays at 10 a.m. for our Learning Center courses, and of course, on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. for our worship. Just go to fpclc.org to see all our various programs and events. Thanks again, and God bless you and keep you safe. May God embrace you and keep you in his countenance. Peace.